I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 396. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. The seed I've received, I will sow. Uh, This is one of my favorite lyrics of all time, and it's something that I live by and encourage others to do the same. When you learn truth from a podcast, from a sermon, or especially your own personal Bible study time, I encourage you to sow the seed you've received into the lives of others. I can't wait to do that with you this week. I'm inspired by Blake Reynolds as he sings He is Yahweh to dig into scripture and theology this week. But before we jump into all of that, let's listen. Creator God, He is Yahweh. The great I am, He is Yahweh. The Lord of all, He is Yahweh. Rose of Sharon, He is Yahweh. Righteous Son, He is Yahweh, the three in one, He is Yahweh, Yahweh. I love the names of God because they teach us so much about Him and His character. Uh, My youngest daughter actually started a podcast about the names of God when she was seven. She's 14 now, and she only has a couple of episodes under her belt, which is probably more my fault than anyone else's, really. But uh, we both still believe in the concept. I've actually encouraged her to pick it back up again. I really hope she does. But Meredith, uh, she had uh, a podcast, More Than a Name. See what we did there? Uh, She says, if we get to know his name, we get to know him. And that's why I love this week's song so much. If all you did was explore scripture around the names listed in this song, Creator, God, Yahweh, the Great I Am, the Lord of Holy, Rose of Sharon, the Righteous Son, you would have a wonderful week in scripture. Uh, We're actually going to take on Creator, God, Yahweh, and the idea of three in one on the podcast today because... I, as I mentioned in the opening of the, of the episode, I've received some seeds that I want to sow in you. Now, the title of our song is He is Yahweh. And so I thought it would be a good idea to see where the first mention of Yahweh was in the Bible and then go from there. And when I did a little research, I learned so much. And this week I broke my own rule because I consulted an outside resource first. I usually tell you to take the bite uh Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, B-I-T-E. I usually encourage you to take that bite of, a, of using an outside resource after you've read scripture first. However, this particular resource guided my time in scripture. Also, it really starts in an area of scripture that I've spent a lot of time in. It's in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Um, I've been in a Bible study in that area of scripture. So I guess, I mean, I say I broke my rule this week as it encapsulated in this week. Um 
But you could easily not do that. You could easily <laughs> read uh, scripture first and then just take some of the comments that I've been taking or, or I'm going to share with you today and uh, help it, let it inform your reading. I'm going to go ahead and link to the resource that I used, though, in the show notes because I consulted a Bible study on the names of God that I absolutely love. It's by Melissa Spolstra and it's called Names of God, His Character Revealed. You can always find my show notes, by the way, at my website, michellekneesat.com. This week specifically can be found at michellekneesat.com forward slash 396. Or you can find them in your inbox on Monday morning if you subscribe to my email list. I promise to respect your inbox. I hope that what I send adds value to you. So go ahead and sign up right there on the homepage of my website when you head over there. Now, what I studied, guided by Melissa, goes hand in hand with what I've been writing for some curriculum at my church on the Trinity. And so it was a very exciting week for me as a lot of truths collided. And I hope I can do all of my thought bouncing around in my head. I hope I can do all of that justice in just a few minutes here on the podcast. So let's go. All right. The first mention of Yahweh in scripture is in Genesis chapter two. So right there at the beginning of it all but not the very beginning, which piqued my interest. So the first mention of Yahweh is in Genesis 2, 4, where it says, This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. As a little side note, I know that the English here says, Lord God. So how are you supposed to know when the name Yahweh is even being used? I mean, it's not even translated as Yahweh. Well, Yahweh is often translated in our English versions of the Bible using the word Lord and a capital letter L, small capital letters after that. So have you ever noticed that capital letter L and then small cap O-R-D? Well, now you know. The next time that you see that in the text, you will know that in the Hebrew, that word Lord there is Yahweh. All right. So your next question might be in this verse, it says Lord God. So what is the Hebrew for God here? Well, you can discover that by taking the bite of completing a word study. When I refer to bites, again, they're Bible interaction tool exercises. These are just exercises I use to interact with God's word. And in case you're wondering, I don't create them. I just curate them. And anytime I visit with a friend who loves to study God's word, I ask them what their go-to habits are. And then I try those habits for myself. And then I share them with you. So this is one of them. If you go to BibleHub.com, my favorite resource, there are others by Blue Letter Bible at different online sources. Pick your favorite if you have one. And you look up a single verse, you can click on the INT or the interlinear. And you can see the verse in the interlinear, meaning it will show you every Hebrew word in the original text. In this case, it's Hebrew because it's in the Old Testament. The New Testament is in Greek. And yes, for you super scholars, I realize that there's a little Aramaic thrown in there in sections of Daniel and Ezra, for example. Uh, But the interlinear, interlinear will show you the original language and the English word or words uh, that correspond with it. Um, In Bible Hub, it also gives you the concordance number to click on to learn more about the word, other places it's used, etc. So when I do that for Genesis 2-4, I discover Yahweh and Elohim, translated in English, Lord God. Elohim is the name for God throughout the first chapter of Genesis. And yet in chapter 2, Yahweh Elohim is used. So what's the difference? Well, Elohim is actually a plural form of El, which is the Hebrew word for God. It can actually be applied to pagan gods as well. It means mighty or strong, uh, but Elohim is our God only. So while the name Elohim carries with it authority, 
and sovereignty of one who is strong, we also find him to be intensely personal. And Elohim is the only word used for God in Genesis chapter 1, and it's found over 30 times. It's actually the most used word for God in the Old Testament being used over 2,500 times. All that was just so very interesting to me. All right, so one way we can learn about God is to look at his character, his conduct, and his concerns. And that's taking the bite of starting with God. So when I took the bite of starting with God, specifically looking at his conduct, I looked for verbs that I could find about Elohim in Genesis chapter 1. So I encourage you to do this as well. If you take out your Bible, you just circle the verbs or the action words associated with God's first actions in Genesis 1. So that's another bite, by the way, marking up the text. But depending on your translation, you might find words like created, hovered, spoke, separated, called, made, saw, gathered, set, blessed, and gave. These are all very creation-oriented words, are they not? Uh, But I love the question Melissa Spolstra asks in her Bible study. She says, are these the actions of an impersonal force? No, our God did not start the world in motion and then detach himself from it. So these actions are creative, yes, but they are the actions of a personal God. Elohim is creator, mighty, sovereign, and strong, but intensely personal as well. And our song reflects this truth so poetically as well. So as you're listening to your, this song or singing along with this song, you can remember all of the things that we're learning about God in our discussion and our study. But he says, who is moving on the waters? Who is holding up the moon? Who is peeling back the darkness with the burning light of new? Who is standing on the mountain? Who is on the earth below? Who is bigger than the heavens? All these things are this creator, this strong, this mighty, this sovereign. And then this last phrase and the lover of my soul, because he is all of these things and so intensely personal. So in Genesis 1, we see creator God, but in Genesis 2, we see Yahweh. And remember, just because God has many names doesn't mean it represents many or multiple gods. God's names highlight diverse aspect of God's character and sometimes his person, but he is one God. In fact, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 32. It says, Now search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now, and search from one end of the heavens to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? Has any nation ever heard the voice of God speaking from fire as you did? And survived? Has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts? Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. Verse 35. He showed you these things so you would know that the Lord is God and there is no other. He showed you these things so that you would know that Yahweh is Elohim and there is no other. So why the addition? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. Why the addition of Yahweh in chapter 2? It obviously reveals something new about God. While Elohim reveals God's mighty power as creator, Yahweh is the more personal name for God. And I just want to share a few interesting facts that you may not know about Yahweh. Well, first of all, Yahweh comes from four Hebrew consonants that form a tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H. 
The name uh, was actually considered to be so holy that even the scribes didn't say it out loud. And then later vowels were added from another name of God, Adonai, and were added to form the name Yahweh when people did begin to speak the name out loud. I thought that was so interesting. And then scholars in the Middle Ages translated Yahweh into an English rendering, Jehovah. So when you hear the word or the name Jehovah, Yahweh and Jehovah, same name. And then many scholars associate Yahweh, uh, Y-H-W-H, with the verb to be. And this is consistent with God's name, I Am. That's the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush. I do want to hop over to Exodus 3 real quick to remind ourselves of that encounter. God is giving Moses his marching orders to go back to Egypt to lead them out of captivity. And when we pick up in verse 13 of chapter 3, it says this, but Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So Yahweh is the great I am, the self-existent one, the self-sustaining one. And we could go on and on, but let's go ahead and hop back to Genesis 3. I want to point out something to you that Melissa points out in her Bible study. It's so good. All right, so when you read Genesis chapter 3, go ahead and read verses 1 through 19. And when you do that, I want you to take note of the names used for God. Remember, you can tell if it's Elohim because it's just God by itself. Yahweh Elohim is Lord God. Okay, so when you read it carefully, you will see that in the conversation between the serpent and Eve. So Genesis 3, we're in the the Garden of Eden. This is when the serpent is um, tempting Eve to sin. When the serpent... Uh, that this, if when you circle or look at the names closely, you will see that the serpent only uses the name Elohim for God. The text itself describes uh, God using Yahweh Elohim. Melissa points this out. When he questioned Eve about the forbidden fruit, the serpent used the name for God's plurality and power, but not his personal relationship with people. And then she asks, isn't that in keeping with the deceptive nature of our enemy to emphasize God's power and judgment and ignore God's gracious love? Oh, I love I love that so much. There is there is danger when we emphasize one name or one aspect of God's character over another. And the serpent seems to be willing to credit God as creator, but reject his personal nature. And so I want to ask, do we ever do that? Or maybe we err in the opposite way. Maybe we emphasize God's love and care for us while diminishing his sovereignty and authority over the way we should live our lives. All right, here are a few more thoughts as we wrap up. Our song sings of Yahweh three in one. 
And I'm on a panel of teachers at my church presenting fundamental truths of our faith in order to equip the students that come to our class to better defend their faith. And the topic this past week was on the Trinity. And uh, there's a couple things. I want to recognize that the word Trinity doesn't exist in Scripture, but the doctrine still stands as the most unique, defining, incomprehensible, and awesome mystery of the Christian faith. It is the revelation of who our Almighty Creator actually is. He's not just a God, but an infinite being existing in eternity as three co-equal infinite persons of the same essence, yet distinct. That's a lot. That's a lot to say. That's a lot to take in, a lot to, to really comprehend. But when we confess our faith in the Trinity, we affirm that God is one in essence and three in person. And while, because it is such a mystery, it remains difficult to explain, even in part. But I can tell you why it's important, because there's a a, a few things. One way that I can tell you why it's so important is to consider the opposite. That's a bite, by the way. Consider the opposite of something to really emphasize what something is by looking at what it isn't. So if God is three separate gods, all right, so let's look at what it isn't. We're saying God is three in one, but he's not three separate gods. But if he were, if he was not three in one, then we would be polytheistic people. We would be worshiping three gods. But what does Deuteronomy 6, 4 teach us? It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Yahweh, our Elohim, is one. Okay, so if God is one God, but not three persons, so we considered if he was three separate gods, which he is not, he is one. But if he was one God, but not three persons, then we fall into the heretical teaching that God just appears or manifests himself in different modes. This is very dangerous thinking as well, because it attacks the very nature of God. And and there's no one verse to point to the fact that or to declare the Trinity, but we do see it throughout Scripture. We already talked about the plural nature of the name Elohim revealed in Genesis 1. How can we have a plural name for God if he is one God? Because he's three in one. He is the plural nature. But let's consider the words of John 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed, capital W Word, Logos, that is a reference to Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. So we were talking about creation and the creativity. Jesus was there. The person of Christ was there because he is one of the Trinity, three in one. Uh, the What about the words of Jesus in John 10, verse 30? I and the Father are one. Or the great commission of Christ, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He would never declare us to go do that in the name of three gods, but it's the three persons of the one God. We worship Yahweh, three in one, three in person and role. Uh, Three in person and three in role. The Father initiates the plan of salvation. The Son accomplishes the plan of redemption. And the Spirit applies what has been initiated and accomplished through sanctification. Yahweh, three in one. One in nature, essence, and attributes. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit share the same divine nature. They're equal in power and glory and wisdom. And we could go on and on. (laughs) Remember, everything we learned about God in Genesis applies to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was was God. The word was with God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. So when we sing creator God, he is Yahweh. The great I am, he is Yahweh. The Lord of holy, he is Yahweh. Rose of Sharon, he is Yahweh. The righteous son, he is Yahweh. The three in one, he is Yahweh. So what's next? Well, read Genesis 1 through 3. Keep an eye on the names of God, this Elohim and Yahweh, as they are revealed in time in the text. Consider how you may have elevated one name or characteristic of God over another in a way that is actually diminished who he really is. It could be Yahweh and Elohim, or it could be another name of God that you've really elevated over maybe some others. Recognize that though you may never have really questioned the doctrine of the Trinity before, it is a foundational belief that cannot be overlooked. And then while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, Michelle at Michelle Nizat. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle Nizat. My Facebook page, my public page is Michelle L. Nizat. And we can talk about what you're learning. Uh, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network, a network of podcasts associated with New Release Today. NewReleaseToday.com is the most innovative and largest Christian entertainment site online, existing to inform fans immediately about each week's new releases. And I'm super excited to be a part of this network. Now, if you haven't joined the 30-Day Music Challenge yet, I highly recommend it. This challenge is to listen exclusively to Christian music for 30 days, and you're never too late to jump in. So just submit your name and email address at michellenizat.com forward slash 30-Day Challenge, and you're in. And before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Sarah from Louisiana, Virginia from Louisiana, Manuel from the Netherlands, and and Jean from Louisiana. I want to welcome all of you. Thank you so much for subscribing. And these subscribers and new subscribers benefit to uh, benefit my from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. Easy for me to say. Um, these bites are a really great place to start. I will also, again, email you once a week with the full show notes and all the links and all the extras that I put in to uh, my podcast. You'll be the first to receive those. Uh, I, I just do this because I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for listening. I hope that it's really valuable to you. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Uh, this encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. Uh, so as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. And I have a new tool to help you leave a review. Just go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song. Of course, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizat.com through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using I Will Trust My Savior Jesus by City Alight to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellenizat.com forward slash 396. While you're there, I'd love to hear, hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.